Welcome to day 149 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Esther, chapter 6 through 8, and Psalm 63. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. Chapter 6 opens with the insomnia of King Xerxes. Like many of us, when we can't sleep, the king tries reading. As the official record of the kingdom is read to him, Mordecai's earlier service in saving the king from assassination is recounted. The forgetful Xerxes is reminded that no great honor was ever bestowed upon Mordecai for this great act. That must be remedied. Haman had come to the royal court to ask for the death of Mordecai, but his quest gets preempted by an important question from the king. The king asks Haman, what honor should be given to someone the king wants to show honor to? Haman loves to think about honor. In fact, the Hebrew word for honor is used seven times in this chapter, but he mistakenly assumes that this conversation about honor was about him. The king accepts Haman's plan for how the one the king favors should be honored, instructing Haman to admit nothing of the plan he has articulated. He commands that the honors be applied immediately to Mordecai. The sense of ironic reversal is powerful. At the time that Haman had planned to have Mordecai lifted up in death on a stake, he now has to lift him up on a steed and is forced to parade him around proclaiming his greatness. <laughs> what a great reversal and what great storytelling. Just hours before, Haman had gathered his wife and friends around him to crow over his newly elevated position with the king and queen. Now that same group gathers to hear about his new shame. His associates perceive that there are forces at work beyond Haman's control. He may be up against forces that clearly favor Mordecai the Jew and are rallying against him. But before he could fully work through his issues, messengers came to take him to the final royal banquet. The second banquet Esther threw for the king and for Haman opens in chapter 7. It's time for Esther to finally make known her request to the king. Her request in Hebrew is just two words, translated in English to her life and her people. Her people have been sold and are destined for destruction, massacre, and annihilation. Like David hearing Nathan's prophetic story, the king wants to know more about who is responsible for this terrible fate imposed upon her people. Of course, we know the answer, and she reveals it. It is Haman. The king's rage drives him from the banquet into the palace garden, the same place where he had been enraged with Vashti years before. Thus, with the king's enraged exit, Haman recognizes that his life is in serious trouble. His only hope is to seek mercy from Queen Esther. The king walks in just in time to see Haman's inappropriate posture toward Esther, which seals his fate. The honor Haman had planned for himself was given to Mordecai, and the death he had planned for Mordecai becomes his own tragic end. In addition to honor, chapter 8 lets the reader know that all of Haman's possessions were given instead to Mordecai and Esther. But the law passed by Haman and sealed by Xerxes still remains. What is to be done? Esther approaches the king once again and begs for the king's mercy. The king responds favorably and gives to Mordecai the authority necessary to enact whatever law he thinks will reverse the effects of the previous command and ensure the security of the Jewish people. The new law essentially reverses the old by giving the Jews permission to defend themselves against any who might try to act toward them in violence sanctioned by Haman's law. The great reversal is now in effect. 
Earlier, Mordecai had walked out of the king's presence dressed in sackcloth and ash, but now he leaves wearing fine garments and colorful clothing. Previously, there was weeping, but now there is joy and gladness. Originally, they fasted, but now they are feasting. Notice, too, that as the chapter ends, those who were earlier viewed through threats and suspicions are now viewed as a light to the community. The people who earlier wanted to eliminate the Jewish people, many of them now want to join them. The post-exilic literature, like Esther, is fascinating and instructive. God's people usually live in some kind of exile in an empire that requires the people to live creatively, with deep commitment, and with great faithfulness. In people like Esther and Mordecai, we see not only the challenges and risks that God's people face, but we also see the hope and joy available for those who live looking for the providential hand of God at work around them. The psalm for today, Psalm 63, opens with the line that the psalmist goes out searching for God. It goes on to celebrate that in the life of praise, the psalmist discovers, like Esther and Mordecai, that the Lord is both the psalmist's joy and protection. So read these texts carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions. And tomorrow, we finish off the book of Esther, reading chapters 9 and 10. I'll talk to you tomorrow.